my lovely listeners, how are we all? Happy New Year. It's 2023. We are officially living in the future. Oh my God. How was your break, my love? I can't believe it. Happy New Year, babe. And I hope we have a fruitful, joyous year together as business partners and friends. Oh my God, I sound sickly. Sorry. Um, I don't know what came over me, a wave of joy and optimism. <laughs> I was going to say that I'm just so excited for all the listeners to hear the episodes that we've got stacked up at the moment. Oh my God. Especially this one with Baby Queen, who we'll tell you a little bit more about in just a sec. Because firstly, I want to know about your Christmas break. Was it good? Give me the the quick nutshell pit stop tour. The nutshell was I sat at home for three days on my own, speaking to nobody but my parents. Um, uh, just reading, reading this massive book that I've been putting off for two years. I bought it in 2020 when it was when it won the Booker. It's called Shuggy Bane by Douglas Stewart. And it just looked so insurmountable and massive. And it had this big, sad, grey cover. And I knew it was about alcoholism and working class life in 80s Glasgow. Anyway, so I thought Christmas, I felt mentally fortified enough <laughs> to try it. And I read it and it was literally the best book I've read in about 10 years. Um, so you could get past the bleakness or did you obviously love the bleakness? I obviously loved it. Thrive on depression. No, uh, I, to be fair, things like that don't really affect me. I just found it fascinating. I just find sad things more interesting because they just are. So um, I just thought it was beautifully written. And would anyone like it or is it only for those who have got hearts of steel? I just think for the quality, I haven't read a book that's that well written where literally the characters, I couldn't stop thinking about them afterwards. I was like obsessed with thinking about. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, and I bought it for my stepdad a few years ago as well when it came out, but yeah, but I just thought he asked for it. Um, But yeah, the cover even, I was like, God, that looks bleak. I think Um, um, it's written almost like a film. Like it's so vivid that like you, even though it's depressing, the world is so intricate built that like you're just so gripped I was gripped from the first page it doesn't take long to get into it at all so good oh well that's like very good of you to spend your time reading I feel like I watched a lot of crap tv what did you watch I watched the traitors you know the new um it's a new reality show on BBC it's got Claudia Winkleman as like the host have you seen have you seen any ads do you know what I'm talking about okay it's really good it's very interesting in terms of like human behavior the format is that everyone about 20 people are all in this castle in Scotland and um, among them people are secretly chosen the three of them as traitors and the rest are faithfuls and the traitors have to like murder i.e like vote out um, the faithfuls and they're all like trying to work towards the end to this big cash prize but also figuring out themselves who the traitors are and trying to vote them off but obviously they inevitably end up voting off loads of faithfuls because what what I kind of got from it was that people are not actually very good at reading other people. We all think we are. We all think we have amazing instinct. And actually, most of the people on the show, in fact, all of them, were absolutely useless at sniffing out the liars. Oh my God. So How do you think we'd fare? Definitely recommend that. Because I think we always pride ourselves on being quite good at that. I know. I was wondering, I was like, is this a reality TV show that I'd actually like to go on? Because it's not like a weird dating show. It's not like anything physically extreme, you know, like eating anything gross or like intense camping or whatever intense um, camping yeah <laughs> which obviously I wouldn't do um so because and it's really like they're saying some bougie like castle I was like I could definitely get on board with that and the challenges look really fun but it is quite intense you've got to be if you're a traitor you've got to be damn good at lying and manipulation that's all I'll say oh, I'm not going to give too much away because it's one of those shows that you know you need you don't want any spoilers but yeah I highly recommend <laughs> Okay, well, that sounds fascinating, babe. I'm going to watch it. Also, speaking of reality TV, um, Love Island's back. I'm very excited. Are you going to watch it? 
I am going to watch it because I just really want to see Maya as the new yes. host as well. And also, um, very exciting. South Africa. I think surely it will be a much more beautiful villa. It is. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. In the Although wasn't the winter? Was it not South Africa last year when it was the winter edition? Oh yes, you're right. I just didn't watch. I it. can't remember if I watched that. I think like maybe I didn't. But yes, I'll give it a go this this year. We'll report back, guys. Yes, we will. Anyway. Time for our fantastic chat with none other than Baby Queen, who is a 25-year-old London-based musician from South Africa, who we are both very obsessed with. You might have heard her on Netflix's viral 2022 show Heartstopper, which she soundtracked and which is her kind of massive break. But she's already also been building up a huge cult following uh, for her music over the last um, five years. Uh, she has this really great song, Lazy, which you would like, Kathleen, because you like to say that you're lazy, even yes, though you're not. Yes, I love that one. Where she basically yeah, yeah. goes through all the things that she wishes she might be, and then it's like, actually, no, because I can't be asked. Which is peak millennial behaviour, and I love it. <laughs> oh, she's so great. Baby Queen's real name is Arabella Latham, and she was born and raised in South Africa, but she moved to London when she was 18 to pursue a career in music. However, she had, like, zero industry connections um she ended up having some absolutely horrific experiences quite frankly with like toxic managers it triggered depression there was a big identity crisis and lots of self-medicating that came next all of which bella actually talks about so openly here we just literally couldn't believe lots of what she was telling us as ellie says even us jaded journalists were just jaws to the floor about some of what she says actually still goes on in the music industry you guys are gonna find it pretty damn fascinating. Yes, quite literally. But I kind of knew, we both knew that she was gonna be that honest because she does have a reputation for being very straight talking. We knew she's got so much to say about the reality of being an artist and to quote her, how the whole industry is fucked. Um, she talks about how drugs are still absolutely everywhere. The abuse and manipulation that goes on behind the scenes in the music industry, the narcissism, the mental health costs, all the classic straight up touch points that we love to grill our guests about. But she's also incredibly funny. Even though we do go to some dark places in the chat, it's always with some kind of cynical comic levity. Um, she is such a great person to chat to. We know you guys are gonna love it as much as we did. Um, and yeah. It's over for those bitches. That is what she says at some point. You'll have to hear who those bitches are. <laughs> Um, I love her. She's so funny and so great. I'm literally so excited for everyone to hear this. You have to let us know what you think, as always. Also, we were, as so often recently, drinking Oatnog, our favourite winter tipple from our drinks partner for this episode, Black Lines. All three of us just loved having a little slurp down on the vegan version of eggnog that is basically made with oat milk. It's that very delicious minor figures one that makes excellent, excellent coffees. And they use East London Rara Rum as well. So creamy, so smooth. Basically just like Bailey's, you wouldn't believe that it's vegan. And also flavoured with like cinnamon, nutmeg, vanilla. Yummy. So much better than Bailey's and also perfect for people who want a lower ABV drink in January um, for our low alcohol honeys. It's only 6%. So grab some for your evenings in curled up by the tv on a sunday night it's so wintry outside little treat yes you need a wintry drink to get you through also you can have it hot so perfect for these cold nights i actually really like it hot i've been having that recently i know you're a fan of the ice cube version but 
I love it in a mug all steaming. Yeah, you can buy Oatnog in Whole Foods and in Selfridges, or you can head over to the Black Lines website and use our exclusive code STRAIGHTUP15 to get 15% off your whole order. You can get it off the entire store, so you can also pick up some of their excellent other bottled cocktails. We're big fans of the Negroni, the Espresso Martini, I love. And then what's the other one you ordered recently? Oh, Paloma. Yum. Gorge. Enjoy, guys, and thank you so, so much to our fabulous partner, Black Lines. Thank you, Black Lines. Right, guys, we are now going to jump straight in. So, as we said, enjoy, let us know what you think, and yeah, gird your loins. It's going to be a juicy one. Thank you so much for doing this, by the way. We're so excited. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Will Oatnog arrive? I literally just like got ran through the door got the oat nog put it in a glass and here we are oh my god well cheers to you cheers. isn't it delicious it tastes like this like beautiful creamy like it is so good because i love baileys right that's like my Same. favorite thing i drink it like all the time and um and i was like what is this gonna taste like and then i was like this is like the best thing i've ever drunk in my yeah life. it's addictive so happy thursday where are you recording from um I'm at home right now uh, in my little flat in London. So do you live on your own? I don't. I live um, sort of like next door to my family, my aunt and uncle and my little cousins, um, which is the best because it's sort of like um, just very grounding and stable and I don't party all the time. Okay. <laughs> um, as you know, the podcast is called Straight Up. We have given you a drink, um, but we like to begin all of our chats with a bit of an icebreaker. We like to know when was the last time you had too much to drink and embarrassed yourself. <laughs> oh my God. Like probably yesterday. Oh my God. <laughs> but, no, um, I'm trying to think of the actual answer to that question. I... After this, I was in the studio uh, like a few nights ago working really late and the sound, it was the sound engineer's 27th birthday at midnight. Um, so we went out and um, went to like this random cocktail bar and then this random like underground club. And I got so drunk that I kicked over a few tables on purpose. Like watch this Ooh. kick. And then yeah, rock star behavior. <laughs> yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> How did that go down? Pull um, them back up again yourself. Yeah, I picked them back up straight afterwards. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't that it wasn't that rock That's and roll. Cool. It was more like I kicked it over for like the effect. And then I was like, what I feel really bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you take on tour then? We have been told some very groovy things like pool tables I, I'm trying to set up this um so there, there's like a thing called a pelly case which is where you keep loads of musical equipment in and it will keep it safe <laughs> like keeps it all safe so I'm trying to get because I'm I, I I love playing video games so um we're getting like a gaming laptop screen like set up in one of those cases so oh, oh my god oh, that's yeah. a lot I thought you were just going to talk about storage options nah. but you know, you actually I would you would amazing. never catch me talking about storage options um, <laughs> but yeah so we're so then you can just open it up in every like green room dressing room play games wherever you are um so that's my mission for next year Oh my god, that's fun! Is yeah, playing that's games? I, you have like a proper presenter role, right? 
in the video game world. Sorry, you can tell I, I'm not a gamer myself. We don't game the video game world. I'm actually <laughs> finding it iconic that you do. And I would love to play more games. I used to love it when I was younger. I just like got out of the habit. And then I think it's very gendered a lot of the time, isn't it? I think I think there's like, I mean, I even had these preconceptions. I got into gaming because my little cousin who plays bass in my band is a mass. He plays video games so much. And the same as you, I used to play them a lot when I was younger. But uh, I, I had this like pre preconception that gaming was. But the thing is, there's just so many different types of games. You know, <laughs> you think it's all these like shooting games, which, you know, I like shooting games, but um, there's not it's like there's so many different types of games. And for me, it just like really quickly became a, a very good way of being able to switch off, you know, mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, um, other than, you know, smoking weed, which I'm trying to do a lot less of. Um, you know, you get you can really get lost in a game in the same way that I can't really get lost in cinema or other things. So I, I feel like it's a good set of hours that you're kind of gone to the world, which is a relief. And just focused on one thing rather than like. Yeah, because if you think about like if I think about my album while I'm playing a game, my character's going to die. So, <laughs> <laughs> Did you always know that you were kind of going to be someone because I know you've said that you've always been like determined did you feel that fame was for you from a young age honestly I think that anyone who sits anyone who is a musician um like in the industry and tells you that they didn't want fame is bullshitting you because nobody (laughs) sticks I swear to god there's if you wanted to just make and like I'm just a very honest person. Like, I guess people want to be like, I didn't like, I didn't want this. Like, it just happened to me. Like, fuck, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm just, because it's, it's like, if you're gonna, if you just love music, then you're going to make music in your basement. Like, there's always this, I had like bright light syndrome as a kid. The gloss that you think it is, is not the reality of what it is. And it doesn't fill the hole that you think it's going to fill. But I definitely, as a kid, thought that like having affirmation and having loads of people think I was super cool would sort of fill this like hole of insecurity inside of me, which it doesn't do. And then you have a whole existential crisis and then your life falls apart. (laughs) And here I am. (laughs) (laughs) She says with a smile. Um... (laughs) Did you have, was it always music or did you have a plan B or even C? Like, did your parents want you to do something different? Um, mm, I think, you know, I was really good at school, um, specifically at English. And I got like a bunch of like scholarships to universities in South Africa for studying English. And I think that my parents were, they were super supportive, but I think there was like a part of them that was like, oh, okay, you're going to like fly away and be you know a pop star or whatever um so there was that uh I wanted I I love writing so I thought that I would be a writer of some sort I started writing like a fantasy book when I was a kid um which I still think is like the best shit like the idea is so good but I'm just like I'm never gonna finish my album I'm never gonna finish the book (laughs) (laughs) what's the Um, book called it is called Oh, if I say this, people are just going to tease me about it for the oh, rest no, of my life. Say it. It's called, well, it's kind of, um, it's, it's called, I think that the name of the first book is. Um, oh, is it, is it a trilogy? It's a trilogy. There's three. Ambition. I like it. It's called Interim. And um, that's a certain place. 
and there's this other place called Eternum, and there's this other place called. This is really embarrassing, so I'm not. Oh my go god, it's it, not. But, yeah. I'm fascinated. <laughs> yeah, so I I sort of like have drawn all these character profiles and everything. I got really into it, but I I just you know I found music around the same time, and that sort of became the thing for me. But there were loads of things I was really interested in. I loved, I lived in South Africa, so I loved the South African wild. And I think for a really long time, honestly thought I was going to be uh, a game ranger, which is someone who lives in the wild and like protects the animals and shows people around and like identifies all the like tracks of the animals in the ground. And like, he- like I can he- hear any bird call in South Africa and tell you what bird it is. Love so that, that. was, I, wow. I was like, that was and then I also really like I really would have wanted to be like someone who like digs for dinosaur bones like that sounds an archaeologist yes that's what's your favorite um South African animal my favorite South African animal I think um it's definitely a leopard um because I had like well, I have these like toy leopards um that I carried around with me everywhere so I think that it must have been that and um, can I make you do what is your favorite bird call and can you do it live? Um, so there are so many really amazing bird calls and the best one is this this one bird which is like this really big bird with with long sort of legs and it kind of looks like a crane and it makes this noise that goes like literally like this it goes seriously it makes a pop it's amazing it sounds like a champagne bottle like popping off um, oh my god then there's this other one called the southern ground hornbill and um that one sounds like a sort of like a baby crying uh which is re- it's really strange um oh. but I used to have a, this little cd where I just like play the bird sounds and then test myself on them I was in the bird club at school oh it was just it was so just cute. me and my English teacher <laughs> and you know I think some people do like bird sound albums now finally i'll get my the recognition i deserve you could sample <laughs> a bird on your next song what's yeah. your music then if you're from big game kind of places where everything's yeah. wild and majestic and amazing my do view you, on pets do you look pets, down on like them? cats and dogs like do you think it's weird to have animals in the house you know, i that? think it's really quite peculiar that we as human beings just go I'm going to take this organism and now it's mine and it's going to walk around in my house. And like the really fucked up thing about having a dog is that if I went to, if I like came and shot your dog, which obviously I wouldn't do, but if I did, um, you could sue me for destruction of property. Like, but you, that's all you can sue me for because a dog is all like an animal is considered to be like humans property. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The thing is like, like dogs, I don't know, because, because dogs have kind of been bred and cats to a lesser degree, but dogs have kind of been bred to be, to depend on humans. So what are they going to do if we don't look after them? And also there's so many good things that come out of relationships with animals, like with mental health and, you know, animals are really good. But I do find it just strange as a concept that we're like, cool, this is my animal and it's going to like follow me around. You know what I mean? Like, who yeah, when you feel like that. So for listeners that don't know, when you first moved to London, you had like quite a rough time of it. You had um, some quite toxic management by the sounds of things. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> it was, let's say, like not the easiest ride. Like, A, I guess, do you think that your experience was typical of the industry and how it still is now for all the kind of posturing that there is about how like there's so much progress these days in the music industry and I guess B 
as I say for listeners that maybe don't know, what was that time like? Like, how would you describe those initial years when you first moved here? Horrific. Um, absolutely heinous. Uh, really difficult, really beautiful, really eye-opening, really exciting, really inspiring, really horrific. Um, so it was all of those things at the same time. Guys, since it's January, I need to tell you about my gym journey. Okay, not to toot my own horn, but I've been making pretty solid progress recently, and I think it's genuinely really helped by my longtime fave and straight up's new partner, Huel, which makes high protein, nutritionally complete meals, which you can have as a shake. I'm not gonna lie, I am literally so excited to be working with Huel and to share their message with all of you guys because I feel like so many women are nervous when it comes to protein. They just worry that it's gonna make them really bulky and big and just not look like shapely and womanly. I mean, I know that's definitely what I thought until a few years ago when I came around to the idea that I just really, really needed more protein in my diet and I just wasn't getting it in the food I was eating. Discovering Huel has been a game changer. I love it. My morning routine is completely different now before the gym. Els, please tell me about yours. I know you're a morning gymmer. I want to know your favourite flavour. We're Black Edition gals at the moment. Yes, so I absolutely love weight training. It's completely transformed my body image and the way I feel about getting stronger rather than skinny. I'm basically also one of those people that is does everything in a rush. I have no time in the morning to get ready. So I literally need to just pick up and take something within like that I can make in 30 seconds for me to take to the gym and then drink on the way to work. Um, and the chocolate flavored Huel Black Edition is perfect for that. Just two scoops, it contains 200 calories per scoop. Put it in a, a protein shaker with some water, shake it, bring it to work and just have it like at my desk after the gym. And that is basically breakfast ticked off all the protein I need. It's just so good. Like, I can't believe that it's a complete meal. And 26, I think, essential vitamins. It was like omega-3, vitamin D, and it doesn't have that gross synthetic taste, which lots of other competitors, quite frankly, do. Not gonna lie. Also, you get a free shake with your first order too, as well as the scoop. Also, it works out to only like £1.68 per 400 calorie meal, which especially at these times is very important. I mean, that's actually the way that you and I got into protein, I think, is it not? In the office when we worked together, we got sent some and I just like needed to save money. So I was like, great, I'll just have this at lunchtime. So too, I often have Huel as lunch as well. You can order online. All you need to do is go to huel.com slash straight up and you'll see all of the Black Edition there, all the flavours, Ellie's fave, chocolate. Enjoy, honeys. Enjoy. Gang, we have a very exciting discount code for you from our partner, Dane. So if, like us, you are people with periods who feel really, like, icky about using products that are filled with harsh chemicals, plastics, toxins, then you absolutely need Dame in your life. They are the most superior eco-period brand out there. It's better for you, your body, the planet. We have an incredible 25% off for our listeners, which we're very excited about. And all you need to do is use the code UP25 on the Dame website. Yep, so we are both complete converts, the sustainable and reusable products that's discovering Dame about a year ago having realized how problematic period care can be not just in terms of landfill but as Kathleen says in terms of what's in them such as bleach can you believe it I'm obsessed with the reusable applicator set in particular actually especially the little cute pouch that comes with it. it's just the handiest thing ever for when you're out and about and it's like really discreet and chic not that it should be but another conversation also I have to say I love the subscription option if you buy directly via Dame's website as it means you can just stock up well in advance not even have to think about it it's just great I have to say I'm the kind of person person that always forgets to buy new tampons and then has to like use a roll-up tissue so 
the subscription <laughs> pads the subscription services is literally saved my life also love the reusable pads didn't used to love them um the normal ones but have used dames and they are so much comfier than usual pads and obviously have saved me a lot of strife with leakage <laughs> yep essential stuff um also dame is finally launching its period pants by the way guys with storage solutions so anyone else that like us is a bit paranoid about leakage just can't wait for this can't wait to get our hands on it they're going to be so so good keep an eye and we'll keep you posted I bet our boyfriends are so excited for us to try those bad yeah. boys. Um, any questions, do not hesitate to drop us a DM and we will be there to help. You can shop Dame via the website wearedame.co. That's wearedame.co. Alternatively, keep your eyes peeled in Sainsbury's Boots, Waitrose and Onocado. Thank you so much to Dame. And, um, you know, I think, is it, is my experience a normal experience? Probably not. I think that I'm a person that um, I've really had to learn to be able to stand up for myself and figure out what I want. I've never been, for example, if my sister went into music, she would never have ended up in some of the bad positions that I ended up in just because she's a person that stands up for herself. And that's something that I had to learn. And I did let people like walk over me and uh, I didn't realize my worth, I think, as an artist. I every opportunity I got, I feel I felt super so grateful, like just so in awe of the fact that because this was all I ever wanted, this was my dream. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I just think there are a lot of opportunistic people, especially when you're at the level where you cannot get in touch with the good managers and you cannot get, you know, you can't really get in touch with those people. It's very difficult to, and you don't have the body of work you don't have the catalog to get their them interested so I think there are a lot of uh twats you know because any honestly any twat on the side of the road can say I'm going to be a manager you know and it takes a lot of skill and uh, a lo- it takes a certain type of person to be a great manager but anyone can decide they're they're going to do it and what they do is they find a young talented person um that they can see themselves getting getting something good out of and they take advantage of that situation because you don't know what your worth is and you don't know what your rights are so did they just um get in touch with you they saw your stuff online and they just well it was it was actually it was me that got in touch with my first manager because it was that was the only person I knew that worked in Mm. music management. And, um, you know, I was like, please listen to my music. So any sort of interest that they showed for me, I was like, wow, I'm so lucky. Um, whereas in hindsight, uh, that really wasn't where I should have, you know, but it does always teach you something. And I think, um, that manager actually dropped, left me, um, because apparently I was um, a drug addict, which is just not true. Um, what well, did he just use that to end the contract? What? Well, he sort of, I think he didn't think that I had it in me um, to, because I was like quite uh, troubled. And I think that he didn't think that I was ever going to actually do it. So he, um, and and also he just did like, there's like just fucked up shit that went on. And then he was like yeah so um we've it's been great working together but like uh I wish you all the best sort of thing and I was like okay and it was strange 
because that happened. I found a new manager about three months later. Same situation of just going to someone and being like, please uh, just g- give me a chance and listen to this music. And um, it was about months after my first manager me um, and basically said that I was a fuck up. Uh, I signed to my label. So it was kind of just like, and, and the worst part is that that first manager on my Instagram his email address was in my Instagram bio. So when my label went to contact my manager, he got the email. So he must have been like, fuck. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then he he must have, he must be like, fuck. He must have been like, fuck ever since, honestly. Um, so yeah, fuck that guy. I'm so pleased about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, how, how do you, how do you stop that from happening to other vulnerable young art, female artists it's just it's it's you know unfortunately this is a very this industry is incredibly um there are a lot of different layers to this industry and you know there's the people at the bottom and there's the people at the top and unfortunately in order to rise through this industry there's a lot of shit that you have to go through and there's nobody that could could have stopped me who did I have as a mentor like and who would I if there's a kid down the road from me trying to do the same thing how am I to how can I find them you know so I do think that you know there are ways and but I don't think that there are good trustworthy sources and it's also a very unusual thing to want to do to be a famous musician where what source do you go to for that um so I but you know music in general there's there's so many jobs in music that are not being a pop star, not being a famous musician. And that's also fucked up. And there isn't really help for that. There's music unis, but I'm, I kind of feel like it's not real. Like you can go study it, but then the moment you this thing starts happening to you, it's like, oh shit, like this is, you really start to realize the, you know, and it's, and, and and luckily I do have, you know, now I have amazing people around me and my label has always been the best. So when they came along, they're just the best people. And um, so I'm very, very lucky, but only by having those terrible experiences, do you, you know, some, some other guy comes along and offers you the world and you see right through it, but only by experience can you actually, uh, learn anything I'm really wise do to it, it better yeah so I, I I think that sadly I think that a lot of it is is what people have to sort of go through um to get anywhere I found it really interesting in a previous interview how you mentioned that you'd found um everyone was kind of wasted all the time because as music journalists over the past seven years I think we often feel that there's this narrative where the music industry has been like very sanitized and has become like all green juices and meditation comparatively to like you know the wild Rolling Stones days where um journalists would follow like rock stars on tour and see everything and be part of everything and it was like a very hedonistic lifestyle um is that not your experience then you don't think the music industry is all green juices and meditation these days I think um if you're someone that seeks green juices and meditation you will see that side of the industry and and I think if you're somebody that seeks the other side you will find those people um and I definitely have been someone that seeks the other side I, I fucking hate green juices. They're <laughs> disgusting. Um, but you know, I think 
you know, I think what maybe when I said that it was more when I was, you know, running around London, I was kind of like friends with a bunch of people that were just insane, insanely crazy partying so much. And that's where I was coming out of. And uh, I, I live like a much more um, stable life now. So I don't do any of that that I used to. But yeah, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people in music, I think. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of like drug use in music. There's a lot of drinking in music. But um, I mean, I just on this last tour that I was on was so exhausted by the time the tour began that the own my only coping mechanism was to get completely shit faced every single night. Um yeah. which in in hindsight was a terrible thing to have done. Um <laughs> but again it's like by experience you learn that actually if I do want to wake up and go to the studio, if I want to put on a good show, I actually can't fuck around. Like you have to make this sort of choice. Um but yeah, it is kind of boring. It is kind of boring now, but at the same time it's like, I understand why it's green juices and meditation. I understand because I'm at this point now where I'm like, I need to find, I, I, if I don't drink green juices and meditate, I'm going to die. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, um, tipping point. Because I read, uh, I think it was a quote from uh, Razorlight the other day, who they were saying that the issue with drug misuse, abuse in the music industry is that, it's still seen as cool and people encourage it because they like the idea of an artist who's debauched and it's all these hangers on that are encouraging it and they want you to be crazy. Yeah. And I mean, I have had people on my team that have encouraged me. Uh, I'm easily encourageable. That's not a mm -hmm. word. Um, I'm easily swayed as a person and um, I think that like that's not a secret it's in all my music everyone knows these things about me um, you know but we've got like very very I've got very strict rules from my manager Babs nobody is allowed to talk to me about drugs that works with me at all they're not allowed to do it because there have been too many people that enable it they're enablers yeah. and when I was going to meetings for new management after my second bad manager um, I went to loads of meetings and loads of management companies thought this girl wants to do drugs. So they just put drugs everywhere. And in I your meetings. Go oh yeah. Like oh just, just drugs everywhere. Yeah. And, and I say that to people and they're shocked. I am very My door is yeah. on the floor. Yeah. But I, the thing is, it's like, that's the energy that I feel like people they listen to me, they see the way that I am and they're like, this is what she wants. This is how we're going to impress her. But because of what I had learned, I was going into these meetings like the person who, if anyone does that to me, they're, they're out. And then, you know, my um, manager that I have now is like, would never, would never, like never in a million years. And when they said that to me, I was like, cool, that you're perfect. Like, that's what it should be. Like the artist, it should be like, if I want to go get fucked up, if I want to go lose my fucking mind, let me, let me decide that and go fuck up myself. But you can't have like before shows someone saying, oh, like, why don't you just have a little bit of this? Or like, you can't have those people around you because it's just a slippery little slope. And um, I actually... 
yeah, I actually like my job and I like and I want to succeed. So why would I do that? You know? And how can they possibly think that you that someone can stay alive and also yeah. continue to make money have for a sustainable career when they're doing that? Very short sighted. I think a lot of them I and you know, and I think a lot of I think a lot of them abuse drugs on their own personal level so yeah. for them they probably feel better about themselves if the artist everyone around them everyone's doing it as well it's um, like normalized it's normalized for them so it should be normalized for you as well and it's actually you know it, that really shouldn't be the standard you know I, I should be if I'm going to do something I should be I, I like that I would feel a bit scared to tell my manager that I'm doing that like that's the way that it should go um but yeah, that's definitely how I pictured it. Like pretty nuts. Like, I've really spilled some tea. I I hope I don't get slapped with some sort tea. of like. <laughs> no. I mean, I think people need to realize like how dark parts of the music industry mm. are because mm-hmm. we're music journalists, and I didn't realize it was that bad. No. And I've heard some bad things, but I am really shocked that in this not in the 90s but now yeah. people would put drugs out in For an a management meeting I'm very shocked I think as well it's just as you were saying earlier in terms of people taking advantage of younger artists we have had um Brad from the vamps on the podcast talking about similar kind of issues it's like there's something very very um like toxic about these people who actually have no creative skill of their own mm-hmm. and they all like flock Leech. like vultures around these young talented yeah. but a little bit naive people to like literally as you say leech off them make yeah. money off them when they actually personally have no musical skill whatsoever yeah and and i think there there are certain people in the industry that you know i know and i keep those people very close the people that know what the fuck they're talking about and that actually understand my music and understand those are like really important people and i feel like yes i have been around a lot of people without a fucking musical bone in their body you know saying you know listen to a demo and they're like oh like can you just like put a snare like like pick, pick the snare up I'm like shut the fuck up do you know what I mean like you actually do not know what you're talking about and I think that there are too many people in those positions without the expertise to be in that position and eventually those people get wheedled out of the industry because you can't have success you, you you're not going to succeed your artists won't succeed uh, do they tend to be only exclusively men or are there women like this as well no, they're exclusively men. I'm sorry to say it. I'm really sorry. I'm kind to of say relieved, it, but, but yes. also saddened. Yeah. Um, woman, have I come across? Have I come across any really horrific woman in the music industry? Um, no. Every single woman I've come across in the music industry has genuinely been a delight. Interesting. That is so interesting. Yeah. Both the creative in me wants there to be a horrific woman so there can be like a film about her or something because a <laughs> horrific woman in the music industry would be really fascinating. I'm, I'm sure there are horrific women. And I think that, um, you know, I think there's a certain truth in the fact that to 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 get to any, to really, really, really succeed, you have to be a little bit horrific. Yeah, you know, to be at the top, you've got to be slightly horrific. Well, I'm not at the top yet, but you know, maybe, maybe by the time I get there, I'll be absolutely (laughs) heinous. Just a little bit horrid. I'm a little bit horrid. I'm very selfish, and I'm very, um, and uh, I'm, I'm solely focused on one thing, and I'm not a very good friend, and I'm not very, I'm, I'm so 
like you know I'm not a good I I I am a bit horrific yeah and that so way. you're unapologetic about the like inherent like narcissism that comes with artistry or, you know and I mean like what why would I sit here and bullshit about it why would I say like it's just not yes we're all the same kind of person all every anyone who goes seeking this thing has the same wound that they're trying to fill and they're all looking for affirmation you know like attention mm. essentially you know so when you realized that like um fame was not gonna fill the hole that we're talking about and that the affirmation that you get from being an artist isn't enough to really truly make you feel um at peace with yourself how did you look for that elsewhere have you figured um, out crack the code no uh not really um I think that uh, if you can, for me, being really focused on making an album that I'm really proud of, I get a lot, a lot of personal fulfillment and joy from completing things, from writing songs, from actually making music. There is so much love that I have for it, you know, even though I've got, a, I really have like a love hate relationship with music because it drives me fucking mentally insane. Um, and at the same time, it brings me a lot of joy when I am invested in what I'm creating. And I think that if, if you know, if I can focus on that as opposed to, you, you sort of get to this point where it's difficult not to like step outside of your body and look at yourself from the, as a, you know, as another person, you know, because you're essentially creating this thing. Baby Queen dresses this way and does this and whatever. But, you know, at the same time, that's like, I'm like a multifaceted person. And you're sort of like, I mean, anyone is designing the image of something that they want to be presented to people. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I th I think for me, uh, I, I this is another embarrassing thing. I was writing this other book um, called The Philosophy of Sadness. And I did like a lot of study into what happiness is and what sadness is and I came across this amazing um study I think done by a, a university in New York on a group of you know 10 I don't know the numbers 10 boys from a, a private school very wealthy school 10 boys from a poorer school went and every month interviewed them what do you want what do you think happiness is what do you think happiness you know every are you happy how do you feel every month for their whole lives they're like the men are like now 90 in their 90s they're now interviewing their kids what they found was when these kids were young they thought that money fame uh you know these were the the money fame and all of these were the most common answers but ultimately the men that were the happiest were the men with not the most relationships in their lives but the best quality of relationships and i think that's been a really big thing for me um, you know, I ha I don't I don't have a lot of people in my life, but the people that I do have, I'm really I really like I I'm obsessed with them. So um, I think, you know, that's been I I've really like pushed out bad influences. And um, how do you fill that hole? No, you, you have to fill that hole yourself. I mean, you have to go to therapy. You have to figure out why it is that you think that you're a piece of shit and that you don't deserve love in the first place which is why you want to go seek love um it's this whole thing and I've been on such a journey and I think that going into this career you know the thing that draws you in is ultimately the thing that 
uh, is going to hurt the most. It's going to spike all the places that were, that felt hollow. It's going to, you know, it's going to really, and what happened for me was it was kind of like from the moment this began, I was, I had to face myself, like, you know, even to create, even to continue to make music, you have to really look at yourself in the face and in the eyes and really be honest with yourself. And, um, Mm. So it's been like a hugely, I've grown a lot. And the thing, I don't just, I just don't care about the things that I used to care about. I think when I first got here, I would like see a famous person and like literally lose my fucking mind, like literally lose my mind um, just because of this thing that I thought it was. And, you know, I literally couldn't care less now. And and that's the personal development of the whole thing. And have you dug into like all of the the root causes and stuff? Is part of your self development journey been like working through the past to then become like a fuller version of yourself? I mean, that sounds really trite. I know that therapy doesn't just like heal people. It's a journey. It's a lifelong journey. But is it something that you feel that you have come a long way with? Yeah, I mean, I think that you can only you can only figure yourself out by going backwards. They say that the most developmental phase of your life is from the age of like five to 13. Um, and I think that there's a lot there. There's a lot to unwind in yourself that you don't even realize is there. Um, and I think that what you start to realize is that a lot of your habits, a lot of your quirks, a lot of the things that you don't like about yourself exist as a result of, you know, something else. And I think understanding that, and not only understanding that, understanding, you know, because it all comes from your parents, but if you look at your parents' parents, why are they that way? Why mm. are they that way? And you look all the way back, you can sort of see this thing that is passed down and you can be able to stop the the cycle of those things um which is why I'm not having kids that's how I'm stopping the cycle. oh really Never. that's a firm decision firm decision I I personally know what well, I just know that I would be firstly a terrible mom because I am innately incredibly selfish but also um I I think that uh I just don't it's not a very nice place for a kid to be coming into right now. Like it's really fucked up. Like what's going to happen? You know, when I die, what are they left with? Do you know what I mean? Like what, what, what is the world going to be? That's true. Yeah. yeah. It's a debate we have all the time because I'm on the having kids side of the fence and Ellie's mm. on the not having kids yeah. side of the fence. So Damn. yeah, it's an ongoing debate, but I know. I'm scared. I'm well, I'm scared that you're going to go and have a kid and then, then I then we won't know what to talk to each other about anymore. Well, yeah. See, the reality is she just doesn't want to share you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I just very kind. Also, I'm not particular. It's not like I see other people's kids and I'm like, oh, they're so cute. Like, I will probably find your kid highly annoying. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> just don't, yeah, I just find them annoying. Anyway, um, you have been very open about your struggles in your music. Is there anything you won't write about? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things that I want to write about that I've not tapped into yet. Um, And like, I don't mind saying what those things are. I really want to be able to unpack the experience of being a woman and having been consistently sexually harassed and being, you know, just like, just consistently throughout your life and just Mm. the 
what what that experience is like because um I you know I've I've been through some pretty shitty stuff with some pretty shitty people and um I think I would really like to be able to get there but I'm just I keep on being like not right now yeah um, I also think that I would like to write about um like an eating disorder situation but mm -hmm. that's also that's a really it's just like a re it's very heavy stuff and I sort of like find it quite difficult to approach something really heavy because I'm always like it's gonna be corny or it's just too much so it's more of like a I just don't really know how to approach that thing um yeah is there anything I won't write about yeah like I I definitely won't write about um there are loads of things I won't write about because I think they're lame and I think you know, like <laughs> what's lame I won't write oh I don't know I mean everything um I think that <laughs> You know, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, you see, I want to say that I, I wouldn't write about like, um, popping pills in the club, getting high and fucking bitches, but like, I might, I just, I yeah, just don't want just it to be case. held against me. So <laughs> I'm no comment. If you do it, you'll do it ironically. <laughs> oh yeah. With a wink to the camera. Very satirical. Yeah. <laughs> What would you say has been the most liberating moment of your career so far or indeed most liberating thing you've ever done full stop? Um a moment where I felt truly like I had uh that like I could really breathe a sigh of relief, you know. I think that's what you're saying. Like when you really feel like oh god, this is it's okay um there have been a few moments I think the a really big one for me was signing to my label it was such a big thing for me and um you know I, at the time I thought it was like it like there was the be all and end all like I was done I was I'd made it you know uh which is obviously not the reality of you know how it works um there was that moment that was really I loved that day and then um Another really good day uh, in my life was um, when I remember this day so clearly when um, the Olivia Rodrigo tour was announced the same day that like BBC sound poll came out last year and it was all on one day. And I, that, I remember like that day being like, damn, like I'm the shit. <laughs> I'm feeling <laughs> it. I've arrived. And I think that honestly, when Heartstopper came out this year, um, yes. you know, that was like, you know, you, you, you work so fucking hard. And I just felt like I wasn't like I wasn't reaching the, the, the people that I felt like I there were people doing better than me. And I felt like I was better than them. And it was just like I'm really showing what a little jealous little slap. No, I love it. So we're all thinking. Um, yeah. And and so when that happened, it was like, oh, my God. And and. For so long I was like oh I'm gonna fail like I'm gonna like this I'm gonna get dropped by my label and I'm never gonna make it and when that happened I was like okay like I'm good for another like while and that was <laughs> you know I remember writing to the like Alice and Patrick who created Heartstopper and being like you guys have literally for the first time in my whole career I genuinely feel like I can breathe and be proud of what I've done um oh, so, so that was funny. a really good Beautiful. day 
Oh my gosh, wow. they must have felt so touched receiving. I know, what a cute letter to receive. Someone said that to me, that would literally be like, go down, yeah. I was like, the nicest thing anyone's ever said. Um, that's amazing. Well, yeah, well, they, they, they really are amazing. And like, the, like they, like they chose me out of everyone in the world. So, um, they've, they've completely like, they've completely changed my life and it will, I will, they, they will always have changed my life. Like no matter what happened. So they're the very good days. Um, what about, I guess the less, uh, glossy side of success like we're saying earlier um do you like what is the price you pay for success and fame once you're there um as in well you I mean <laughs> not the reasons as to why you might seek it <laughs> um I've had the past I'm I'm literally just coming out of like one of the worst depressions of my whole entire you know, something that I just didn't consistently in the music industry, you you feel like you're peeling yourself up off the floor, literally peeling yourself, getting back up, only knowing that you're just going to get kicked down again. And that's what you do. And it's just like con- constant and you can have like a period of time where it's really good. And then you end up back. Ultimately, you and I mean, it's like that in life. You can be good and you just end up back down in the depths of hell. Who's um, kicking you down? Myself. Um, I think the pressure that I have been experiencing, uh, it kind of started, I was like super busy over like just before October coming out of like festival season. And then I did like this mini tour over in Europe. And at the same time, I've pushed back the release of an album const- all the time. I've just been pushing it back and pushing it back because it's just not there and um and I'd finished this tour in this little mini tour in Europe and I flew to Manchester no I yeah so I drove back to Manchester played a show in Manchester and then that night stayed at Heathrow airport and then flew to start a tour in America the next day and I was just completely run down and um being out in America I really got quite like ultimately I was literally like why the fuck have I called myself baby queen and why am I strutting around the world playing these silly little songs saying I'm baby queen I'm baby queen it's I was like had this whole existential crisis and then and then also I have like mad imposter syndrome so I just keep on thinking that I'm not as clever as I once was I can't create the music that I once created I've got nothing left to say I don't care anymore uh I hate music. I hate it all. Um, you know, and that's the place that I was in. And I was just like incredibly depressed. And I've ha- been in this place before. Um, it's like the self-doubt. It's when it's when you think too much and you can overthink it and you can like play it out in your head and and really like overthink yourself to like the next degree. And that's the place I was in. I was in that place when both times when I lost my both of my managers for s- different reasons um I was you know I was in that place before I've you know and on my couch and I can't get out I can't get up and you know my manager Babs has had to come and like genuinely speak to me if she wants to speak to me like had had to come and sit here and speak to me on my couch because I wouldn't move um and yeah so this last period I went through was just 
horrible. I just didn't know if I was going to get out of it. And I still feel so, uh, I still feel scared and I still feel like I've made so many mistakes in my career and I've done so many things wrong. And, um, yeah, it's like, I feel better now. I've like, I, I, I've like recovered slightly, but it was really, and I think you have to go down there. You have to look at the whole thing and, and, if you don't do that, you're not going to get better. You're not going to find clarity, but it was honestly, you know, and every time I, it feels like every time I get knocked down, it just gets like a little bit, a little bit harder, a little bit harder because the problems are bigger. The pressure is more, the competition is more, the expectations are more. Um, and I just consistently feel like I'm not producing enough. I'm not good enough. Um, the added pressure of social media, um, which I haven't fucking posted a TikTok maybe in like a, like weeks now, and it's like I'm I I can't even do it because it's the the it's like you know when you you you're like I'll go on diet tomorrow, yeah like I'll post a TikTok tomorrow like hey, that's the we that don't have fun. a TikTok no. that's how bad we have been with that and we've had it on our list all year that we're like. The podcast must have a TikTok. The podcast must have a TikTok. Doesn't have a TikTok. It's very, it's, it's been like a huge, and I go through different periods and it's not like I'm, I'm bad at social media, but it's kind of just like, um, yeah, I feel like it's a di very different part of your brain when you're making music and when you're on tour or like posting online, I feel like I'm using two different and to do both of those things and to do both of those things well like what an artist is expected to do now is everything. Like you have to be a content creator. You have to be a musician. You have to be a performer. You have to be all of these things. Um, whereas, you know, what you really want to do is just be making music. Um, and what you, what that's what your job really should be as a musician should be making music. Mm -hmm. But the whole industry has completely everyone is scrabbling about all the labels everyone is like no one knows what the fuck to do because of tiktok it's like everyone they is can't control they don't know what they're doing with tiktok they, no one knows what to do everyone is freaking the fuck out and my philosophy has become i'm gonna stop freaking the fuck out and i'm gonna do what actually really matters and make some really good music because ultimately without the music what is all of that anyways you just but you're great you're an influencer fantastic congratulations do you know what I mean yeah um, nothing against influencers I'm just saying well actually I have a few things against influencers, but... <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's it's really really fucked up I've had a really a really tough time but that's me as a perfectionist and me as someone that is just I care about it so much it means I've like given up my whole life for this so it's like all I think about it consumes me every second of every day which is why I like playing video games because it's like and I'm I'm like how do you even bring another person into your life how can I even date someone how can I even have friends that aren't my best friends because all I all I am is like baby queen so that's what I wanted I want to try and like expand my life and not be so like singular have you managed yeah. to date whilst you've been baby queen um twice and it w both times went to shit because I was on tour oh. and yeah 
um, yeah, it just kind of like both, both people I really liked. Um, and it just, yeah, I was just on tour and it just kind of just didn't happen. And yeah. And it's just not really, it's, it's not really feasible, you know? I'm sensing such, um, by the way, I'm sorry that you've gone through that. That mean that really feel really sorry that you have, but it's okay. It's all good. Yeah. Um, and also I wondered, I guess I'm sensing such a love hate kind of dichotomy that's going on with you and your own musicianship in a way, your own career, the path that you've chosen. Um, I guess the fact that you're still making music means that it is just, that's going to win always. What is it then about the music that is worth the the personal sacrifice? Um, I think that ultimately the underlying thing is that I love it. Like it's, I love it. It's my favorite. I love it more than anything else in the world. And I think that what comes between me and music is fear. And I think that fear is the worst thing for creativity because I sort of got to this place where even before, even as I was like making an idea, I was thinking about how it would be perceived, what the feedback would be on that idea. Was it like this compared, you know, it's just like the, the pressure of it kills the creativity of it. Like when, before I had a label, for example, I was, um, uh, you know, I was literally just making music because that's what I thought sounded really good. And I wrote some of my best songs during that time. And, um, and I think that, there wasn't the there wasn't the fear element attached and as soon as you've got feedback not only from people in your team but also from like the general public you've got feedback and people saying things and that uh it shouldn't affect the way you create but it does and comparison to other artists affects the way that you create and fear that what you've done hasn't taken you to where you want to be so you should you know it's it's uh over analyzing your creativity kills your creativity and I think that I my relationship with being creative this year for a while now has been uh has been difficult um but I've recently had two weeks of just like you know turning the tap on and writing so much stuff that I love and now I'm happy again and it turns out that part of the reason I was so miserable was because I hadn't made I hadn't produced something that I loved for so long and the moment you do that you're like oh I'm not shit I'm not a fake musician I've got this narrative in my head that I've tricked everyone into thinking that I'm a musician when I'm not (laughs) like I don't but it's just like why because you know what I mean like I did write all those songs but then I'm like but did you though? And like, yes, I did. <laughs> um, so it's, um, I mean, it's just my own mental issues, really. Um, Have you ever thought about just like doing like, because it seems that what gives you so much anxiety is the, is selling your music in a way, making it palatable commercially, whilst also keeping your authentic brand and voice. Have you ever thought about just like making it without, a label without you know just doing it all on your own terms well yeah I've thought about that because I didn't think a label was an option for me in the beginning so I had like the whole plan but I think ultimately my 
the things that I, my, um, my like goals that I had as a kid that you write down in your diary, like these are the 10 things I want to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do my 10 year old self justice if I walk away now when, you know, and yeah. I wouldn't anyways, like I threaten it all the time. I'm always like, I'm quitting. Like call my manager, like I quit. Um, But I'm, I'm never going to do it. Cause I love it. Obviously. Like I've, I th- it, I thrive. I love the pain of it. I love <laughs> <laughs> I love the rejection and I love feeling like a piece of shit. I absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> I love this honesty. I really love it. It's great. <laughs> so if you had known prior to being in the industry the reality of it, would you have done it again? A million times. Yeah. And that's that's what it comes down to. And I I've, I've really thought about that. I'm like would I do it again? Yes, I would do it again, but I'd do it like different. I'd do it better, you know. I <laughs> wish I could start again from the beginning. Oh my God, those bitches would be done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could as well, just to have your. Vent- oh my God. I swear to God, if I could start all over again, it would be over for those bitches. <laughs> I don't even know who the bitches are, but it would be this over for all them. All of them. Done. Every bitch. <laughs> um, we always ask our guests to set the record straight on something is there something that you would like is there a misconception that you would like to correct be that something that's on the internet by yourself or that Mm. something that the fans you think have got wrong about you okay yes um I once did this interview where someone said that I was like people are always talking about my sexuality. It seems to be like this really big talking point and people love talking about that. And firstly, that's frustrating. I've set the record straight on that a million times, but this one interview was like, um, it was like Latham, blah, 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 blah. The, the lesbian addicted to antidepressants. And I was like, I'm so like, okay, I'd like to set the record straight. I take antidepressants, but I'm not addicted to them. Yeah, I'm not, it's not like, I'm not like snorting my antidepressants. I just want everyone to know. I take them very normally with a glass of water in the morning and it keeps me stable. Had they interviewed you and you said you take antidepressants? Yes, because I was talking about like, I don't know, I was talking about like the weird struggle of antidepressants and how it like I was just talking about it it's like really interesting to me it's like a topic that I like it's fascinating that like this pill regulates your brain and uh, uh numbs your who you are like basically boxes your emotions in and I was talking a lot about that and they were like addicted to antidepressants I was like fuck maybe I am that's like <laughs> um it's like Rita Skeeter in Harry Potter I know literally literally his um, eyes glistening I, I, I feel bad <laughs> I, I, they definitely didn't mean to like they didn't they definitely didn't mean to like say I don't know it was just like that it, it was quite funny I guess in hindsight like is it a UK um, publication ooh, it might have been an American one actually I'm oh, surprised and then, oh, no, there was this American one that said um well this is actually me that said it and this is quote for quote I said that I could I could party Nikki Six under the table Nikki Six is the member of Motley Crue who famously died of a heroin overdose and then came back to life um I'd like to set the record straight and say I could not party Nikki Six under the table (laughs) that was just a lie that was a lie um I could try but (laughs) please don't try (laughs) 
Ah, <laughs> uh, that's great. We got two sets at the record straights. Amazing. Very like good that. to know. Um, and we always also ask our guests if they have one thing in particular that they would like to thank their therapist for. I'd like to thank my therapist for very many of the things that I've spoken to you guys about today, about the idea of being able to expand your life beyond your obsession, enrich your life, make it broader. I'd like to thank my therapist for teaching me everything that I said about how it's passed down from your mom's mom to your mom to your mom to you. And it's the same cycle that is repeated. That's something that I had to understand. Um, And I think, you know, just in general, my therapist introduced me to, I actually haven't been to therapy in a while, but my therapist introduced me to this thing called morning pages, which is, uh, have you guys ever read The Artist's Way? Uh, so it's no, sort of I like, haven't, but I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of the things that people are encouraged to do as creatives that feel like they have a creative block. And and what 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 the sentiment is, instead of waking up in the morning and looking at your phone immediately, scrolling through social media, you immediately, there's a notebook next to your pen and you just write whatever you just write for like five pages, word vomit. You never read it over, but every day you start with reflection and every night, I mean, I don't do this anymore. Like I, like I have been through periods of doing it, but like it does, it really helped me in the time that I did it. And then at night you reflect on what happened in the day and it gives you a sense of control over your reality that I'm so desperately seeking. It reminds me of one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever heard, actually, is just always create more than you consume. Totally. Ooh, totally. Yeah. So it's so difficult. That's, but that's a, I that's, definitely don't. Yeah, me neither. I don't think any of us do, you know, like maybe Taylor Swift. She's like the <laughs> only one. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Well, I'm actually writing a piece at the moment about because I'm having a bit of a creative block. And I think as a journalist, I often find I always thought that the way to kind of unblock that was to read more, listen to more podcasts, listen, you know, just other people's creations in being consumed by me. And actually, I think what you need is like boredom and space and silence and just not doing anything. Boredom is the best thing for creativity. It <laughs> is the I best think. thing in yeah. the world. And it's why all the artists' first albums are the best, because they were so fucking bored and they made this music because they yearned for something greater. They yearned for something more. Then they're all busy. And like, like it, you just, you, you never can recreate that feeling of boredom. Boredom is the best thing in the world. But what I have learned, I think, through this period of being unproductive uh, with writing music is that it's all there. I mean, you can tell yourself, you know, I could say to myself, I'm having a writer's block. I'm having writer's block. I've, I've got to wait for the creativity to befall me. And I'll just sit here and wait for God to bless me with a song. But the reality of the situation is that you have to unlock it. Like you have to just keep searching for it. And I think that once you turn the tap on and just start doing something, just start making something like start, write a poem or just start start something try and more importantly finish something because the worst thing is to start something and never finish it that just builds up this feeling of hatred towards yourself if you can just like finish something even if you fucking hate it you finished it and then you've you're in the swing of it and then you're going to do another one and you know I think overthinking your work is the thing that stops you from, like I said earlier, I think you're like the fear of, or like the, 
your the the doubt that you have of your work instead of just trusting that you're in the position that you are because you are able to write or you are able to you that you innately have those instincts so even when you think this is shit it's actually probably to the general public probably really fucking great um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just being really hard on yourself it's but, so true yeah it's a it's a I feel like little I, game we're playing. I feel like I've been in a therapy session. I feel like <laughs> really, really I've really, I've really, really, really spilt the eggnog tonight. <laughs> <laughs> spilt the, the oat nog. Yeah. <laughs> I love well, that. Thank you. Oh, we love it. We love it. Okay, so we have a question. We always have a question from our last guest to our current guest. Our question today is from May Muller, obviously the pop sensation in the UK. Um, she wants to know what your favorite food is. Well, my favorite food um, is shell-shaped conchigle pasta. Oh, I love that shape. With tomato pesto, like, like sun-dried tomato pesto. Um, and and what is that cheese called? Not 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 Parmesan. It's like um, it's called uh, stracciatella, creamy stracciatella. Ooh. Okay, I don't know if that's a stracciatella. I don't know. <laughs> that's it. Um, okay. And uh, and then also like a little bit of like chili, but also like just vodka pasta. Have you ever had vodka pasta before? It's oh, like the Gigi Hadid pasta. pasta. I have not. But yeah, pasta. I love pasta so much. Um, it's like my favorite thing in the world. And then beyond pasta, um, there's nothing really out there for me. I'm kidding. You cook. I mean, I just really like, I don't cook. I like would rather just eat a can of baked beans than have to cook. Like I really <laughs> will just eat baked beans out the can. Like, Are you a delivery most nights of the week kind of gal? Well, luckily I live next door to my family. So they stop that from happening, like oh, actively try and stop that from happening. Um, but yes, I, I rely solely on delivery. So what do you have? What's for dinner tonight? Um, what is for dinner? I actually don't know. I'm going to go knock on the door and be like, hey, they're only here from me at mealtime. I'm like, hey, guys. Um, just, <laughs> just wondering what you're up to. They're like, guys are they're doing. It smells really nice in here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you mind? I love that. It's making me hungry. I want some pasta. Yeah. Okay. And finally, I mean, A, where is your happy place? If you had to choose one, I've got a feeling that you're going to say in the home studios. I think that my happy place, um, I think I've got, uh, there's three, there's three places that are like my happy place. And it is here, like at home here. Um, I love being here and it's my favorite thing getting back from tour. And when I came in here, like I've, so obviously I don't cook, but I've got like a mini like cook, like stove here. Um, I don't use it. Um, <laughs> but when I came home, I kissed it. That's how happy I was to be home. I don't know why That's I kissed this adorable. Stone, honestly, very strange. But this place and then the South African wild. But I think that's my number one. Like that's that's like that's where I feel like the true me comes to like that's the real me. Like Katie Heron from Mean Girls, me. Um, <laughs> and uh and then the third one would be my producer's King Ed's studio, just because that's where I've made all of my music. It's like the the, the amount of like history of my music those four walls have heard you know so I feel very safe and uh he's like my best friend so 
those three places. Oh, well, mine is yeah. the couch in front of the TV. So I'm yeah. going to ask you for some recommendations, please. And uh, what to watch. Yes. What have you um, seen recently that you suggest we go away and crank up immediately? So I um, am really obsessed with like serial killer things. Um, Same. Obsessed. I'm so obsessed you with watch, serial killer um, Dharma? Absolutely. I was, <gasps> I was on the glued on the edge of my seat. I loved every second of it. And uh, I've, I've watched every, like literally every crime documentary on Netflix. Last night, I watched, I went onto YouTube and I searched true crime. And then I went most viewed in the past however many months. And I watched, um, have you ever seen those like real life interviews where the, they're in the interview room and it's just like the interview this, analyzing the person's yes. like, body movements, whatever. And I watched the best one and this kid's name was Nick and he killed his, he murdered his whole family and his friends didn't know about it, although they suspected it because he was having a sleepover at their house and left and went and murdered his whole family. His two little, he was like 15. He murdered his two little brothers, his mom and his dad while they were sleeping. Why? Um, because his dad um, was hard on him. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Have you seen Blackbird on Apple TV? No, is it good? Yeah, it's got a really well, yeah, I think it is good. It but I can't remember who plays the serial killer. He's a real life serial killer, but the guy that plays him is so good. It's like a, got this horrible high-pitched baby voice. Damn, okay. Well, I've written was, it down in my my notes. Okay, right. He, he was one of America's most prolific serial killers. He raped a whole bunch of women. And then, um, oh yeah, God. basically the the um, FBI planted a mole into a prison to try and get him to confess so they could find the bodies. And it's a dramatization of that. Oh, my God. Well, I know what I'm doing tonight. But also, yeah. <laughs> also Wednesday is really good. Jenna Just, Ortega, ooh. the dance scene when she dances, I was like, why am I attracted to an 18 year old? I feel so <laughs> <laughs> um, But. Yeah, oh, I, I love that. That's that it's so good. And like the hand thing, the <gasps> hand is just yes. done so well. It's so realistic. She's great. She's got all these like witty remarks. And um yeah, she's uh she's the she's it's it's great. So and it's it's hey. got like a uh, Christina Ricci in it, who yeah. was the original Wednesday, and yeah, it's I loved it so much. Okay, we'll watch that. Yeah, you watch Blackbird. It's a banger. Okay, six. And then we've got we've got it. We've got our plan. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Bella. That was literally amazing. We so appreciate your time and honesty. It's a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. This has been so fun. I would love to like have a margarita with you guys. Oh Oh, no, we must. Let's do it. We all live in London. Stunning.